This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I want to welcome Jeremy Siegel, a finance professor here at Wharton, and we're going to talk about the recent turmoil in markets around the world. Thank you for joining us, Jeremy. Just as quick context, I want to note that uh, the futures market is up today. It looks like stocks are going to recover from the big drop on Monday. But on Monday, uh, U.S. stocks hit a four-year low, biggest, sorry, biggest drop in four years. European stocks had their worst day in seven years. I'd also note that commodities are at a 16-year low. And this, uh, on Tuesday in China, there was another down market day. The Shanghai index was down about 7%. So uh, welcome, Professor. What's going on out there? Well, I mean, China is a, is a major story. Uh, and the decline in China, which everyone believes is far worse than they officially have admitted, uh, is really putting downward pressure on commodities and on oil. And I think it's important uh, to note, uh, many people said, yeah, but Jeremy, doesn't, you know, lower, we're an importer of oil. Doesn't lower oil prices help the United States? And the answer is, yes, it does. But don't forget the S&P 500 has many international oil companies that have reserves that supply the oil manufacturers. It's, it's not just a U.S. Uh, 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 index of U.S. purchases. So yes, U.S. economy has helped, but uh, many of these oil uh, suppliers and owners of the reserves are really going to be hurt. The slowdown in China, the slowdown in China, the drop in oil prices, and the tremendous rise in the dollar have put tremendous pressure on uh, the earnings of corporations. In fact, the earnings revisions downward this year in 2015 have been the steepest I have ever seen outside of a recession, uh, down about 10 to 15 percent. So three weeks ago, I looked at this market and I said, it ain't going nowhere. I'm, I think we're going to finally have the first a uh, real correction in, in four years. And indeed, with yesterday's drop, we, we breached the 10% uh, limit of uh, correction, and uh, uh, we have one. That raises the question, of course, is this a correction which is usually thought of as around 10%, or is it going all the way to a bear market, which is usually defined 20%. as 20%. I don't think it's going to get to a bear market. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to see maybe 15 And by the way, we all know how hard it is to actually say where we know how much it's going to be. I predicted about 12 to 15. I mean, th this morning will be less than 10 with, with a rally. But if you look at the history, when there's a sharp decline and then a rally, it's usually you'll get another downward leg that will test that decline. So, you know, if you're a short-term trader and it's very hazardous to be one, uh, I don't know if this rally is, is going to last that long before we test the lows. But as far as the bear market is concerned, since I don't see a recession in the United States, I don't think we're going to have a bear market in the U.S. So what would your advice be for investors, given your outlook? Definitely long run, I'm, I'm, I'm favorable. Uh, in fact, when I gave that bearish projection on CNBC uh, several weeks ago, I said the fourth quarter could be very, very good. 
we get September out of the way. Of course, three weeks ago, everyone thought September was going to be the date the Fed was going to move. Now, that probability has gone way down, although not to zero. I mean, there's still almost a month until that decision is made. Uh, uh, but I said, once that is out of the way, and if we could get stability in oil and the dollar, uh, we could see a very good fourth quarter that, in fact, could bring us to new highs in the market. Uh, the two other years that we had the corrections in 2010, 2011, uh, we actually saw very, very good fourth quarters uh, develop after that. You mentioned at the outset that China is central to everything that's happening. So what do you think is happening in China? Their, their books are opaque. It's not transparent. We're really not sure. Um, the authorities seem to have let the, the market uh, respond to to what the market wanted to do, uh, dropping 7%, that surprised some people. Doesn't seem to have been any intervention. But overall, in their economy, the fundamentals, uh, what, are, what are we to think about what's happening there and what are the implications for the U.S.? I think one of the problems for world investors today is they've lost confidence in the Chinese government's ability to control and guide their economy. It was always thought of, you know, when there was a, a downturn, the Chinese would pour money in one way or the other and things would get straightened out. They've been very, uh, what, left-footed and awkward uh, uh, with the stock market. They first talked it up above its uh, what it should have been uh, and then it started going down and then they made some desperate attempts uh, to 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 repair it, we even know that after you know the close, they've now cut the rates, uh, the reserve rates, and lowered the interest rate. They've got some sil some silver bullets in their holster. In in contrast to the U.S., Europe, and Japan, who have interest rates down to zero, their interest rates are still five percent. They have a lot that they could cut. So they still have a room to uh, actually encourage the market. But there, there has been this feeling that they have just not done this well. Uh, the, uh, and there's a loss of confidence in China uh, in its ability to, to control the markets. And I think that is one of the uh, – is perhaps just as important, if not more important, than the slowdown in the economic activity. I mean, a lot of people think that China is really only going 3 or 4% right now instead of the official 7% that came out in, in the last quarter. Something else that's a little disturbing about China is that in the earlier years, China would grow because of productivity growth, tremendous increase in productivity. Now they seem to have to build bridges and dams and all the rest. They want to stimulate the consumer, but the only way you're going to stimulate consumers is productivity. They're trying to get the consumer to buy more, and, and he and she are not doing that. So they're sort of doing a last resort type of stimulus. All these things are adding to this idea that China, which again – is either the biggest economy in the world or second to the United States, where just about co-equal, uh, is faltering. And that obviously is going to affect world outlook. Well, it's interesting you said that people are worried that the Chinese authorities may have lost control, which does that mean the markets are taking over and they're afraid that China may be going more capitalist? Uh, well, I, I think there was always the idea we have a spigot that we can always turn on. We kind of believe in markets. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, obviously the whole economic reform, the beginning of a stock market. Uh, there was talk of a move towards a, a yuan, an RMB that was more flexible, although, believe it or not, all they've done is after that, uh, you know, 2% devaluation is they fixed it again versus the dollar. They haven't really freed that up. Um, 
I thought that their restrictions on short sales, you don't want to invest in any market that will prevent you from selling when you want. Liquidity, if they knew anything, is one of the prime reasons people like to buy assets. And if they don't have liquidity, they're going to be discounted. This idea about we're not going to let big holders sell, we're going to prohibit short sales, all those restrictions. I'm not the only one to to say this. Many other economists have said that was really a, a wrong a prescription to try to control well you know well or try to control prices by preventing people from selling and uh, that was that also engendered a loss of confidence in in the Chinese uh, uh, management more generally when it comes to global economic fundamentals uh, we know China's slowing as we just discussed you're saying even as uh, GDP could be as low as three to four percent which is very low for China. Yes. Uh, also, um, emerging markets have been slowing a lot, yeah. largely probably in response to China, and commodity prices reflect exactly. that, for example. So is what's happening in global equ- equity markets to some extent uh, recognizing that markets got oversold too far out ahead of what global fundamentals are? And of course, the U.S. is a special case, but but something similar may be going on here. There, there Do you think that's certainly correct? we've had an incredible sell-off. I mean, emerging markets are in bear market territory. There's just no question about that. I, you know, I believe, and I made a too early call on that. Uh, although we'll see that three to five years hence, right now, people who have the guts to go in, and there could be more volatility. Are, are going to be pleased because the currencies have been battered as well as the stock markets. Now, again. The the best performing economy is now India because it's not commodity-based. Because China has gone down, every emerging market that has commodities and is a major part of exports is being hit. And, of course, there's even some developed countries like Australia or take a look at Canada, take a look at the Canadian dollar, uh, which is depreciated almost 30 percent. I mean, it's basically a petrocurrency now. Australia, again, Australian dollar is down. The Australian stock market is down because so much of that, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the minerals and the other, uh, the mining and all, the, the, all those raw materials that China used to build up its infrastructure are, are down. But if you take a look at India, which has had some quarters of 7% growth, and they are importers of oil and raw materials, have actually, um, th- they may be the new leader in the next four, five, six years on the emerging market. Again, they have more people in the world than any other. Uh, they don't have the GDP uh, that China does. Uh, but uh, they they certainly are now the, 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 the one country that is holding the banner for the emerging markets. So in addition to India, uh, would you, which countries would you recommend people invest in or, and or which industries? Well, I, I haven't been one generally to, to recommend countries or industries or often people say sectors because I like to look at the macro approach. And my belief is that uh, the broader your portfolio in the long run, the better off you will be. So a lot of these, I mean, take even the Chinese economy. I mean, it's, uh, with, with its decline that it suffered, its price-earnings ratios are now back to 12, 13, 14. Not unreasonable at all. The emerging markets are selling for about 13, 14 times earnings as a group. Uh, you know, Brazil has been battered uh, badly. It could, again, turn around even though they have problems. Uh, remember, you don't, 
you, you want to buy uh, the, the, the countries if you play individual countries, not those that have the best story, but those who have had the worst story that everyone now is giving up on. Uh, you know, Brazil will, is probably going to come back. They're in maximum tension now uh, uh, with the raw materials and politically and, you know, uh, the, the, the corruption that's going on there. They could be a, a winner in the next three to five years. That's why I don't pick countries. So I really think if you, there are many emerging market funds that you can diversify in. And their yields in emerging market, by the way, are very, very good. You can get 3 4% yields on diversified uh, portfolios. I'm talking about dividend yields. Um, I think that they I think they were attractive now. I'm increasing my allocation in general to the emerging markets. One last question. Where do you think the Dow will be at the end of this year? Well, I you know, my my feeling is is that we we definitely could get uh, to Dow 19,000. I mean, it certainly seems like that's uh, really far away now. But we've had 20% increases from the sell-offs in, in late August and September. Don't forget, late August and September are historically, you know, weak months. Thin markets. Uh, what? Thin markets, for example. Well, thin markets, um, hey, the summer is over. We got all these bills. The kids are going back to school. We have no liquidity. Um, the days are getting shorter. <laughs> you know, by the way, uh, we know September and October, September is the only month and it, uh, that has negative returns, uh, in, this including dividends, uh, going all the way back 100 years. It's, only, it's the worst month in, in the market. And that has sort of moved to August because everyone now fears September. <laughs> <laughs> they start selling at the end of August has now become so July, the worst problem. July by next year. Maybe. Well, yeah. it takes a little longer to uh, migrate, but uh, uh, yeah, that's what's, that's what's happened. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Happy to be here. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.